So over the last little while, we've been talking about follow me. And it comes from the scripture in Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, where it reads, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? A few weeks ago I shared on the if anyone part of this scripture. If anyone desires to come after me. And we learnt about the fact that anyone means anyone. In the example of the 12 disciples that he chose, they were a crazy bunch of ordinary guys with no particular background or no no particular amazing uh, skills or abilities. They were just ordinary people like you and me. But God chose them, Jesus chose them to be his disciples. But today I want to go on to the next part of this scripture. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty strong command. At one moment, Jesus is saying, anyone can come and follow me. Anyone, any of you want to come and follow me, follow me. But then he puts a big demand or requirement on us. Anyone come and follow me? Anyone desires come and follow me? Let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now you think, well, maybe this is a, you know, isn't Jesus all loving? He's, you know, the loving God who embraces us, who loves us. But I believe that Jesus is talking about this so seriously because he is talking into the very, very core of mankind. He is talking into us where it really counts. You see, in another part of the Gospels, Jesus makes a similar statement. There's a guy that he calls to follow him, and he says, I'd love to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you. This is in Matthew 8. But first of all, and in my mind, he makes a very reasonable statement. He says, can I go and bury my father who's just died? He thinks that's reasonable. It's pretty reasonable. You know what Jesus says to him? Let the dead bury the dead. That's pretty tough. In another part of Scripture, there's a young rich man who comes to him knowing what he needs to do to be a follower of Jesus, and Jesus goes through all these different things, and he says, I I, I tick all those boxes. I'm that person. And then Jesus says, well, if you're that person, then go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And that rich young man turned away and said, no, it's too hard. There's another story where there's a guy plowing a field. And Jesus says, come and follow me. And the guy goes, let me just go back and say goodbye to my family. Another reasonable request. And Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. That's tough. That's hard. That's, that's direct. That's like black and white. But I believe Jesus is saying that because 
being a disciple of Jesus is no joke. Being a follower of Christ is a whole transformation that is totally different to anything we've ever experienced. Now, see, in our modern church today, in the modern Christian church, especially the Western church, we like to tell people, come to Jesus and everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Or I like this one, come to Jesus, become a follower of Jesus and uh, everything you have ever been looking for, you'll find. Anyone heard that one? Come to Jesus and you'll find everything you've ever been looking for. But let's, let's tell the truth. Any of us who have been following Jesus for a while realize that it's so much more than what we get out of it. It's so much more than what we can receive. It's so much more about who he is and what he wants to do in our lives. See, being a follower of Jesus is really about rediscovering who we were created to be. Being a follower of Jesus, when he says, deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow me, is about, firstly, restoring order to our world. What do I mean by that? Well, see, when Jesus says, deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow me, he is actually speaking into the very root, the very core of mankind's problem. He is actually speaking into the very problem that original sin brought into the world. Now, I want you to stick with me on this and listen to what I've got to say. Because you see, when Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden, back in Genesis, and they chose to eat of the tree, eat of the fruit of the tree, the problem wasn't just their disobedience. Because at the core of their disobedience was their desire to have independence. Or in other words, their desire to have control. Because when they ate of that tree, yes, they were being disobedient. But they were literally saying to God, we don't need you. We want to be in control of our own lives. And when Jesus is talking about denying ourselves and following him, he is speaking into that. He is speaking into that problem. The problem that we would want to control our own destiny. That we would want to lead our own lives. You see, on that day, when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, what happened is the kingdom of self was established here on earth. And the kingdom of God was literally forced out, driven out. Because when on that day, they, self came and planted itself and self says, I am the most important thing, not God. God's not at the top of the tree anymore. I am. Me. Me. That's who's top. I'm top dog. I will be in control of my life. I will get what I want. I will do whatever I like if it makes me happy. Isn't that true? You see, another way to describe it is simply pride. The truth is, most of the problems in our world today stem from the kingdom of self. Think about it for a moment. Violence. Where does it stem from? I'm going to do anything to get my way. So if I'm losing an argument, I'll fix it by punching the guy in the head. Isn't that right? That will fix a problem. Domestic violence is at ridiculous rates at the moment. Why? And I, I know this, it's a very complicated situation, but men get so frustrated because they're not in control. 
when they don't have the power that they want. So they lash out using violence. Why do we have war? Because countries believe they're right, yeah, they're right to have what they want. And so violence is a, a, a cause, is caused by the kingdom of self. Think about, I'll, I'll go straight to this one. It's, a, it's the one that we never like to talk about but is everywhere around us. Lust. Lust is a result of the kingdom of self. I'll get what I want and it doesn't matter if it doesn't hurt anyone else as long as I'm getting what I want. Isn't that true? But who knows? You only have to look at the porn industry to know it hurts a lot of people. Causes a lot of pain to a lot of not just women but men. Because behind that screen are daughters, and even mothers and women and men doing things that are devaluing their very important core of who they are. See, that's the kingdom of self. However, when Jesus declares us to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him, he is restoring order. He is restoring order to God's original plan for mankind. What is that? It's not self-denial. It's not denying ourselves luxuries or even necessities. It's not us saying, well, I'm going to give up this for God and I'm going to give up that for God and I'm going to do that. No, it's more than that. It's so much deeper than that. Rather, he is talking about denying the kingdom of self. Denying the kingdom of self. Denying independence. Denying pride. It's not self-denial. It's denying the kingdom of self. Basically, what that means is that we are renouncing our right to ourselves. Our right to rule our own lives. God never created us to rule our own lives. Denying self is laying down your life to rely, in our instance, to rely on God. Laying down our rights and saying, God, you are in control. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the Message Bible. Read this. This is awesome. He says, this is the same passage in Matthew 16. He says, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. He likes that. Who's ever had someone go to work on them? It's not something nice. So Jesus is going to work on them saying, I'm going to teach you something that you might not want to hear, but you need to understand this. Anyone who intends to come with me, remember this is Jesus talking, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. David Saint, you're not in the driver's seat. That's right. Jesus says, I am. I am. Don't run from suffering. Kingdom of self says, run from suffering, doesn't it? It's not right that you should suffer. Get over yourselves. Embrace it. Straight up. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, Jesus' way, to finding yourself, your true self. How powerful is that? If, if Steve gave that word 
before, that is the translation for you tonight, church. That is what God is saying to you tonight. Anyone who intends to chase me, come after me and follow me, then guess what? Let me lead. Get out of the driver's seat and let me take control. Because we have to let Jesus lead. We have to get out of the driver's seat and let God drive. Restoring order, as we talked about, means becoming dependent upon God, not independent. That's the key. Realizing we were made, God created us, God made us to follow, not to lead. For some of you going, no way. That means I don't know what's going to come next. That means I'm not in control of my destiny. Guess what? There's a God who loves you and cares for you and knows exactly what you need. And he wants to lead you where you need to go. Do you understand that? You see, that's when we discover real freedom. When we deny the kingdom of self and follow Jesus. I've said this many times before in this church and I'll probably say it many times again. But that's why the Bible tells us that God is the shepherd and we are the sheep. Sheep follow the shepherd. Amen? God is the Lord. He's described as the Lord. And we are his subjects, his servants. God is the potter and I am the clay. We allow him to mold us. And ultimately, the most, as James described earlier, God is our father and we are his children. Let me give you practical examples of the kingdom of self versus the kingdom of God so you understand what we're getting at here. You see, the kingdom of self says, I need money, I need a job, I need to find a life partner, I need all these things for my life to be successful because that's what a successful life looks like. But the kingdom of God says, seek first, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Put your trust in God first and you will get a great wife or a great husband. You will get a great job. You will earn a great living when you put your trust in God first rather than yourself. The kingdom of self says, I need stuff to make me content. I need stuff to make me happy. I need material possessions, a good car and a good this and a good that. I need the latest iPhone or whatever you use, Android. So everyone thinks I'm up to date and cool and hip like me. I've, I've still got an iPhone 5, if anyone wants to see it. There it is. My children pay me out about it. But um, we think that's the most important thing. But the kingdom of God says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Your satisfaction won't come out of stuff. It won't come out of material possessions. Your true contentment can only ever be found in God. The kingdom of self says the most important thing is that I'm happy. As long as I'm happy, that's all that matters. As long as I'm not hurting anyone else and I'm happy, then that's fine. You know, the kingdom of God says in Job 5.17, have a look at it later if you want. It says, happy is the man whom God corrects or God disciplines. 
Happy is the man whom God corrects. Now, you might think, what's that mean? Correct. Discipline to me was when my mum used to hit me, I was going to say over the head, hope she didn't hit you over the head, but hit you on the bottom and told you you're naughty. No, that's not what this passage is talking about. It's talking about when God trains us and disciplines us and teaches us what is right and what is wrong. When God begins to speak into our lives, thanks Julie, and God speaks into our lives and encourages us the right path to, to follow. Now what that looks like is it looks like a coach with a player. A coach sits there and says, to imagine you're a swimmer and you're swimming and he goes, your stroke's a bit fast or your stroke's a bit wide or you've got to pull it in and you've got to do it like this and do it like that. And so he's coaching him to get the most out of their swimming. That's what this talks about. Happy is the man where God is your coach, where God is leading you and guiding you. Isn't that exciting? That's, that's what denying yourself, denying the kingdom of self is all about. I'll give you one more. This one's a bit more personal. You might not like this one. But the kingdom of self says, no one ever cares about me. No one even knows I exist. No one even contacts me when I'm not around. When was the, no, one, no one ever wants to invite I can't remember the last time no one ever invited me out for coffee. That's the kingdom of self. The kingdom of God says, and this is challenging for all of us, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if you are struggling and you think it's not fair that someone's not helping me out or contacting me or looking out for me, then take that feeling and say, well, I'm going to turn it around for positive. I'm going to find someone who needs contacting, needs caring, and I'm going to care on them because the kingdom of God is not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God and others. You see, the kingdom of God is about denying the kingdom of self. Deny, the word says up there, means to completely disown Utterly separate oneself from someone. In the Bible, it's the same word deny that is used when Jesus denies Christ. What, what's Peter doing in that situation? He is saying, I don't know Jesus. I'm not a part of his group. I've never heard of him. Separating themselves. As a disciple of Jesus, he is encouraging us to completely disown and utterly separate ourselves from the kingdom of self, from the kingdom that says, I am the most important thing. To refuse to acknowledge self-dependence and exchange self-dependence to dependence on God, to dependence on Jesus. The second thing in this passage that Jesus is wanting to do is restore our way of life. You see that in that in that statement when he says, deny himself, take up your cross and follow me, that the actual, in the original language, it actually isn't talking about a once-off statement. It's not you do it once and that's it. You know, I've asked Jesus into my life and then that's good and then I just go off and do whatever I want to do. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that it's an ongoing thing. 
It's a way of life. Denying yourself, taking up your cross is a daily thing. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's a culture, if you want to say it in a modern way. And the interesting thing about this is if a disciple is a follower and we are disciples of Jesus, it follows that we are willing to be led. Because someone who follows, follows someone. Isn't that right? They're being led somewhere. That picture of the shepherd and the sheep is there again. But this is the interesting thing. That the person who follows doesn't determine where you're going, do they? Who hates a backseat driver? All the husbands nudge their wives. Yes. Um, We've resolved those issues in our marriage. No, I'm, I'm honest. We went to a tr- on a trip to Melbourne just recently, and we didn't have one fight about directions. It was amazing. It was uh, Julie did what I told her to do, and it was fine. <laughs> but the fact is, when we follow, we don't determine th- where we're going. The leader determines that. And, you know, out of the church at the moment, we are in a season of blessing. God is being so good to us. And who knows when you're being led in a season of blessing, you're like, whoo, I'm glad to go to church this Sunday. It's exciting. How many, how, many, how many more thousands of dollars has the government given to us this week? It's like for a few weeks there, it was this week after week. Oh, the government just gave us 20000 for air conditioning. The government just gave us this much for a car, a van. We got a new van and all of that stuff, a new projector. Amazing blessing. And we love Oh, I'll follow you wherever you want to go, God. I'm, I'm right here. I'm following. But the fact is, sometimes, in real life, the reality is that sometimes we are led into places we don't want to go. Places we don't understand. Places that are dark. Places that are maybe painful and unpleasant. But we follow because that's what God's designed us to do, to follow him and trust him no matter where we go. That's what Psalm 23 is all about. I want, to, I want you to read it. I, I'm going to read it for you, but I want you to think of it in relation to the denying the kingdom of self and following God, because in that psalm it sums up what it looks like to deny the kingdom of self. And to embrace the kingdom of God. It says in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. That sounds like blessing, doesn't it? That sounds like good things. That's the good moments. But then he goes on to say, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort and protect me. Then he goes on to say, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness 
and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That's what it looks like to deny the kingdom of self and embrace the kingdom of God. You see, our pattern of living should no longer be determined or governed by selfishness and pride, but rather by love and humility. Why? Because that's what characterizes our God. That he is a God of love. Jesus was a person of great humility. So we are no longer characterized by selfishness, but rather selflessness. God calls us not to be selfish. That's the kingdom of self. But he calls us to be selfless, where we are always considering others, not ourselves. Considering God, not ourselves. That's the truth. I want to, I want to explain to you, Fred Craddock, uh, a minister, explains this in a really interesting way, what it looks like to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And he explains that to give my life for Christ appears glorious. It seems so honourable. We, we think giving our all to the Lord is like, in this instance, taking a $1,000 bill and placing it on the table before God and says, God, I give you my all. That's my life, everything, 1000 bucks. I'm sure some of you are worth a bit more than that. But um, 1000 bucks on the table. There's my life, God, take it. It's all there. And if God was to take that $1,000 right there and then, that's not denying the kingdom of self. That's called martyrdom. That's being a martyr. God takes you, like, allows you to, your life to be taken and that's it, gone. That's not what God's talking about when he's talking about denying self. Fred Craddock explains that the reality for all of us or most of us is that God actually says, go back to the bank, take that $1,000 bill, and cash it in for 50-cent pieces, $1,000 worth of 50-cent pieces. And then take those 50-cent pieces and give them out to people 50 cents at a time. That's taking up your cross. So what's that look like? Well, then I take time to sit down with my kids and listen to the problems they're having at school, school rather than saying, I'm too busy right now, I've got stuff to do, go, back, go to your bedroom and I'll come and see you later. No, when we stop and say, yeah, what's going on? That's putting 50 cents down, saying, I'm going to look out. I'm going to look at someone else, listen to someone else's problems rather than worry about my own. Then you, then you go on in life and you go, you see your neighbour next door is struggling and their lawns are up nearly over the fence and you go, I'm going to go over there and mow their lawns for them. There's another 50 cents down. I'm not living for myself, I'm living for others. I'm living for God. And then God reminds you that someone needs to go to hospital for an appointment uh, because they got issues and stuff going on. So you go, I'm going to take you to the hospital. There's another 50 cents down. One 50 cent after another 50 cent. Someone does the wrong thing by you and you think, oh, I'm going to be bitter and angry. No, no, I'm going to lay down my life, put another 50 cents down, Go and talk to them and forgive them for the way they've hurt me. That's denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. For all of us, the reality is it's 50 cents at a time. 
We don't ever give our whole lives, but we give bit by bit. Always looking to ways that we can practice selflessness rather than selfishness. You see, it's, it's easy to go out in a flash of glory, but it's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. When Jesus asked us to not deny ourselves, he, again, I say, he wasn't asking us to give up this or give up that. He was literally saying, if you want to follow me, you need to give up control. You need to give me the steering wheel. You need to lay your life down. The truth is, when you do that, when you say, God, I'm sick of running my own life, I need your help. When we give him the steering wheel, let him be, that's the moment when we discover who we were really created to be. That's the moment when we experience his grace and his freedom. You see, Jesus said it like this when he was on the earth. He said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened down, because we weren't created to control our own lives. We weren't created. We were created to follow, not to lead. And so when we can try to control our own lives, we get tired. We get burdened. We get, it's hard work. And we just go, it's too hard. It's too hard. And we get bogged down in life. But God says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. It literally says in that passage, I will put my yoke upon you. Anyone know what a yoke is? A yoke is something you use to control the oxen that you're leading. That's a yoke. And so when there's a yoke upon someone, what Jesus is saying, let me control where you go and what you do. Let me take you where you need to go. I will be the one who leads and guides you where you need to go. That's what Jesus says to us. If you're tired and heavy laden and burdened down by life, come to me and I will give you rest. Let me take control. Let me take the driver's seat and I'll do it. That's what Jesus asks us to do. As it says in closing, Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. In this passage, Jesus isn't asking us anything that he hasn't already done. Or is about to do. Because in just a few chapters later, Jesus prays this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he's about to be crucified. And he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Then he says these powerful words, Yet not my will, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus had to deny the kingdom of self as well. As hard as it was to go to the cross, he said, God, not my will, but yours be done. Let's all bow our heads in prayer.